Cheers. Welcome to Culture Night. Where each week we drink fancy wine and watch movies that are in some way culturally significant. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sarah. And we are back for season three, episode two. And ready to jump into another musical. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. The the musical vibe is a bit different of a wardrobe, at least for me, from the uh, film noir, all black, everything. Definitely. I will say I was wearing black before this and I felt like I needed to brighten myself up a little bit mm-hmm. and switched to something a little more colorful. <laughs> At least we're, we're colorful on top. <laughs> That's all that matters. Yeah. All right. I don't think we have any podcast business. I don't think so either. Um, what are we drinking tonight? All right. Jumping right into the wine. I love it. Tonight we are drinking the 2015 Silver Reserve Zinfandel from Tobin James in Paso Robles, California. In case we haven't shouted out Paso Robles, mm-hmm. shout out to you, Paso. And... Um, Sate. Give it a, a smell. Mm-hmm. Decided to go back to the Zinfandels. Ooh. We have a lot of Zinfandels. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a sharp alcohol on the yeah. nose there. I got that on the first one, but not the second. Then I get a little more barrel on the nose there in the second sniff. Mm-hmm. Again, I forgot to look up other um, wine words. Not too much on that first taste. I get a lot of strawberry in the end, though. Yeah, I was going to say raspberry, that like red fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. Shall we say jammy? I feel like a really ripe strawberry <laughs> is what I got from that. Yeah, like like one that's red all the way through, not mm-hmm. white white on the inside. Yeah, yeah, not the sourness of it. Yeah, that's good. Surprisingly not as sour as I thought it would be based on the initial smell. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel like we've, I've always say this, I'm sure. I'm always under, or, I don't have a strong opinion of Zinfandels, but mm-hmm. every time I, we open one, I'm like, oh, that's pretty nice. Let's see if it gives me, uh, let's see, rich, deep, complex, on the, according to the label, um, and cellar worthy. Doesn't really give any uh, tasting notes there. But I know, we've got to get those like pamphlets out and look through blend. them. Zinfandel. So, very good. Yeah, ready to dive into it a little bit more. But now, oh, no. All out of whack today. Mm -hmm. It is time to go behind the screens where each week we go behind the big screens of Hollywood and learn more about some aspect of film, production, or storytelling. Take it away. This week we are looking at um, the film to 4K remastering. Something I've been kind of curious about um, with a lot of these older films that we're watching, like they were filmed in like the 40s, 50s, 60s that are, we're watching them in 4K for the most part. Singing in the Rain was surprisingly excellent quality. Right. And so you kind of, you're kind of shocked at some of those movies from that are really old, that are really high quality, yet movies that you kind of watched that were from like the 90s, 2000s, like plus, you don't really see that quality as much. You don't really see them being remastered. So I kind of wanted to deep dive, or I guess go behind the screens on remastering. And to start with, um, looking at the term remastering or actually mastering, um, which was the process where you took all of like the various footage that was captured for the movie. They did all the processing, all of the color grading or not, not really grading, but like the color processes to draw the color out of everything, put it together into a copy referred to as the master copy. And from that, they made copies for distribution in the movie theaters. And then later, um, once the technology was there for like VHS and other distribution channels to take that master copy and essentially like through chemical processes, like project that onto other mediums like the VHS tapes. Um, when they did that, they you kind of like, um, I guess, make that for the medium that it's going to be played back on. Um, and you can kind of lose a lot of quality there based on what you're, you're making it for. Um, and also like, why are you going to try to make a super high quality 
a version of something that's going to be played back on a super old CRT TV that's, you know, four inches by four inches, like Mm -hmm. not really going to have the highest quality there. So a lot of people like see these movies that were made for those um, mediums. Like if you went out and bought like the VHS tape for some of these older movies, you would not see this quality. So when they, um, so luckily based on the difference between film and digital is that film doesn't really have a resolution. It's not really made of a bunch of like pixels, like, you know, um, 1920 by 1080 or anything like that. It's, analog for the most part and it's um more like grains between each of the frames that you see tiny tons of tiny tiny little dots um but it doesn't really relate one-to-one to to any sort of like um specific uh resolution that you might see in in digital uh copies today um but what they've been able to do is take that um that old film and remaster it so they take the original footage and they can project that onto an even better master medium um, they can do color correction for scenes that might not be look right when mm-hmm. they're projected at that size. Um, do some sort of like slight little editing and tweaks on there to make things look better at that high resolution. Um, and some effects that might not look um, good as, as much under close inspection. And they're able to remaster, make a new master, and then from there make the other um, mm-hmm. copies of it. Um, the On the other hand, movies that are filmed with digital, it's like what you get is what you see is what you get. Oh, like yeah. it was, if it was filmed on a, on 1080p, like it's 1080p. If it was filmed on 720p, it's like, you can't really do much of that. You can't really make something out of what's not there. Now you can do things like upscaling, um, which is like, if you have, you know, a 1080p and you're trying to upscale it to 4k, you basically have four times as many pixels now to work with, but you, you're making something out of nothing. So you can essentially take each of the original pixels that you have and then, um, make new pixels based on like the averages of everything that's around them to make the four new ones. And there's all sorts of various techniques. People are using like AI to try to figure out what uh, the best color of that pixel should be based on the ones around them to make something look better. Mm-hmm. But you kind of get diminishing returns, especially in movies that make heavy use of like CGI and animations oh, yeah. and whatnot. Because a lot of the models that were originally created were created with like little detail because it doesn't make sense to have this super elaborate, huge, crazy digital model created to then project it down onto 720p mm-hmm. and you lose those, all those pixels anyways. Mm-hmm. So when they're remastering those, you need to have like all of the original models and then you're going to have to have someone go back and be like, okay, we're actually going to have to redraw this in even higher quality. Yeah. And I mean, all that makes sense. So when you think about like even just like a picture mm-hmm. would go onto a piece of film and then you could blow that up to whatever size you mm-hmm. needed it to be. And from my very limited digital videography experience, Mm -hmm. I know that when you don't have the quality there, there's really not a whole lot that you can do on a very basic level to Mm -hmm. get it to be. And it is noticeable against other 4K Mm -hmm. or even if you're shooting, what do you say, 720 to 1080? Like when you don't have all those pixels, it's very noticeable. And doing that at at film scale and going from things Mm -hmm. that, you know, are are just much lower quality. That level of quality. Yeah, it's it's not likely to be really even be attempted. If it is, it's it's probably going to look kind of crappy. A lot of people point to... Um, like the Star Wars movies is a good example of this, where like the original trilogy upscaled because it was on film looks better than the prequel trilogy from like the 2000s that was filmed digital because the the prequel trilogy actually had a whole lot of, excuse me, had a whole lot of um, CGI that didn't really scale well and two of them were filmed on digital. So mm-hmm. they kind of like, they look worse than the ones that were filmed mm-hmm. you know, decades before them. Um, on the other hand, movies like Jurassic Park that were uh, filmed on film and didn't use CGI for like the dinosaurs look amazing to even today scaled up because they're able to, to use those same techniques and not really lose a whole lot of quality. 
So um, very cool. It's kind of cool why you, why you see a lot of these older movies that are remastered and look so great, whereas movies that are from like the late '90s, you know, to 2000s that were filmed in 1080p, you can't really do much, and when you've got you know mm-hmm. low quality CGI and whatnot, it's going to look kind of cringy. Yeah, you know, and unless it, you spend billions trying to recreate each individual frame. And it's just so crazy thinking like I'm in the 2000s, it's like, oh man, we're shooting this in 1080p. This is so cutting edge. And mm-hmm. then now, you know, 20 years later, mm-hmm. how much lower quality that ends up looking, even though it was like revolutionary or It will be interesting to see with like all of the artificial intelligence. Like, you know, there's been so many strides made on upscaling that I wonder how far they can really push that for some of these movies to, to take them that, you know, can't easily be remastered by, um, making more content, but you can kind of generate it with generative AI to make those kind of things, what they can do there. There's a whole lot of unknowns there. I think there's going to be a lot of uncanny valley things where you're going to be like, this doesn't look right because it's like something's just off enough, but Mm -hmm. we'll see if they can tweak that enough in the future. Yeah. We'll see. Only time will tell how that plays Mm -hmm. out, but very interesting. Yeah. Cause I was very alarmed last week when we started the movie and I was like, the quality on this is great, Mm -hmm. but this was filmed in what? 52. Mm -hmm. And just to see how they can take that and, scale it up is yeah. pretty crazy. And obviously if they lost the original like master or the original footage i mean you can't really do much to remaster you're basically taking that master and doing your best like it's digital to try to make it a little bit better mm-hmm. but it's when you have all the original footage that you can then take that and use the you know the chemical processes or any any advancements there and make even better um material to then create the master from to create all the uh distribution from interesting mm-hmm. well thank you very that, very cool and i'm i mean no spoilers, but we are going back to the 50s again tonight. So mm-hmm. we'll see if we get that same kind of higher remastered quality in tonight's movie. Mm-hmm. But, we do. but for now, it's time for Slept On It. So we are diving back into Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. And um, does your rating change after sleeping on it? You gave it a 4.5 and I gave it a 5.4. I don't think it really changes. Um, it is what it is. I mean, it was okay movie. It kind of was hard to figure out whether it was like a really musical at first. And then it was like almost too much music at the end. Um, not super balanced yeah in that aspect i think i just liked the story so much more than i thought i was going to mm-hmm. i mean because i was imagining like literal just rain yeah. the whole time and some kind of really dumb story around mm-hmm. that um and i like the old hollywood thing was pretty cool i really liked that mm-hmm. and um i have some fun facts that also kind of keep me right where i'm at at 5.4 i think yeah. i stand I think for maybe I, I do really like the old hollywood aspect of it i could maybe bump it up to like a 4.8 or something mm-hmm. so uh, thinking back on that, I was just kind of so um, annoyed with the never-ending musical note. I have um, some facts about that scene, but, but uh, yeah, they shouldn't have put that at the end right. of the movie because that really kind of soured a little bit of it mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. All right, and so spread it out a little more. Yeah. So now, time to go into our deep dive, shallow dives, fun facts. Maybe one day we'll come up with like a really solid name for it, mm-hmm. but right now it's just some extra stuff about um, singing in the rain so um, we did talk about we were wondering whether or not it was actually based on a true story since it is that old hollywood retelling of that time period of transitioning from silent films to the talkies um also i really hope to never have to say talkies again i still really hate that kind of like it Uh, not for me just get the old-timey vibe it is very old-timey for sure um and it is loosely based on the the real transition. They, I think a lot of the um, production companies were kind of freaking out about, you know, staying up to pace, which, mm-hmm. you know, still stands true today as technology advances. Uh, but there was no, like, actual, like, this is exactly what happened, and we just retold it in a story. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually not even based on a Broadway musical, which was not the case for most of the musicals at this time. It was actually a... Um, story that was written to showcase songs written by composer Arthur Freed 
and he'd written a bunch of songs for a bunch of different musicals. Mm -hmm. And then this was, he wrote the story to put all of his songs together. So the story was kind of, the songs were already there and then the story was kind of woven around it, which you can kind of see looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, um, just like a backwards of how you would think about it. You know, you take a movie, make a soundtrack for it. This mm-hmm. make a soundtrack, make a movie for it. Just kind of interesting. Yeah. So, um, but also on that note, there there was one true original song for the movie, and that was Make Them Laugh. As they realized they were getting close to production, and mm-hmm. Donald O'Connor's character didn't have a solo song. And so they wrote that song for him. Interesting. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. It wouldn't really. The, other, the others I feel like could play well as a standalone for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note of make them laugh, apparently O'Connor had to go to the hospital because of the exhaustion and the like injuries he sustained doing all the crazy like backflips and stuff. And, um, like, you know, landing those backflips wrong could have killed him. Like if he'd hit that wrong, he would have been dead. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the exhaustion of doing that the whole way through, um, really wore him out. Um, also there, I'm, I have so many notes on this and I'm going to try to keep them brief and succinct, but there was so much like behind the scenes, like interwoven gossip and drama and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It was truly fascinating, but also I'm glad I was taking notes because it was really hard to keep track of who's who, especially because you watch it and you know, you know, their character names, but then trying to remember everybody's real mm-hmm. life names and all that was kind of confusing. Yeah, and we don't know a lot of these actors. They're not as mm-hmm. you know, more uh, modern. We didn't grow up with them. So we don't know them yeah. by heart. Yeah, finally, I had to sit down and have like multiple tabs open and start taking mm-hmm. notes. Um, one more um, fun fact about Donald O'Connor, who played Cosmo in Singing in the Rain, is that he was supposed to play Phil Davis in White Christmas, which leads us back to our mm-hmm. he looks like Danny Kaye thing. But he was in a, I think it was like a series of films about a talking mule, and he got an illness from the talking mule, and that kept him <laughs> from playing Phil Davis. So Danny Kaye replaced him. Wow. So I thought that was really interesting. That's crazy to think that 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 almost didn't happen. Mm -hmm. It would be a different world. White Christmas would be different. Mm -hmm. I mean, it'd probably be relatively the same. I mean, more importantly, um, Christmas Vacation would have a different line at the end. Very true. (laughs) Very, very true. Um, And there was a 13-year age difference between Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor. We were talking about how they looked like there was a really big age gap, and they are, Mm -hmm. in real life, 13 years apart. Um, Some hot gossip and drama from behind the scenes of the directors is that the it was directed by Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly. They directed it together. And I believe this was their first film. I didn't write it down. I'm not sure. I will fact check that. But they apparently, uh, they worked together a lot over the years, but they had a relationship much like Don and Cosmo from the movie where Gene Kelly was the star, mm-hmm. like superstar. And then he was kind of the sidekick. And apparently he their relationship grew very bitter over the years. And I think Gene Kelly was always in the spotlight and he mm-hmm. didn't get as much credit. So some drama there. Um, and then just a couple other things is this, um, that is that Debbie Reynolds had no dance experience going into this movie and she had to work like day and night tirelessly. Cause apparently Gene Kelly was a real like choreographer, like stickler for making sure everything was like absolutely spot on and perfect. Mm-hmm. And so she had to like work her butt off to be up to his level of dancing, which I find impressive, especially thinking about like the streamer scene where she's still like singing and tap dancing and yeah, acting. Yeah, that was impressive. The, wiping streamers on yeah, face. The, the focus on that mm-hmm. one. That's something you, you could tell like it had been drilled in mm-hmm. in order to not mess up. For sure. And then on that same note is that in that long musical number, the um, actress that had the long dress thing that was flowing in the wind mm-hmm. that he was dancing with yeah. that that was supposed to be Debbie Reynolds character but she did not have the dancing like abilities to play mm-hmm. that role so they cast this other like dream imaginary girl but had Debbie Reynolds been any better of a dancer 
that would have been mm-hmm. her doing all of that, which I thought was super interesting. Yeah, it felt kind of weird having the random other yeah, I was person. like, who's this girl? Yeah. But also, apparently, weird. apparently, she's taller than Gene Kelly, and all, he choreographed the whole thing so that they were never standing side by side <laughs> at the same time. So she always, they always looked like he was taller. I mean, I'm relatively tall, but I don't understand the whole, you know, weirdness of it being like, like the Tom Cruise, like no one can be taller than me type thing. Yeah. Weird. Um, different time, though. This was... Mm-hmm. A long time ago. Um, and then on the, the note of the, the Broadway Melody, Melody Ballet, which is the name of our the infamous song, I had a hard time finding how actually long it was. I saw it on the internet anywhere from 10 minutes to 17 minutes. And I had to actually go back through and open the movie up on, what did we watch on, Max? Mm-hmm. And scrub through till I found where it started and like find it till the end and figure out how long it was. And it was 13 minutes long. And that was apparently added in to be that long at the end because Gene Kelly had put out another movie like ch- shortly before this that was hugely popular. I believe mm-hmm. it was called An American in Paris and it had a 21 minute dance sequence in it. Oof. So we thought 13 I mean, minutes I'm was bad. I'm like watching it, but I can't imagine people there that had to right? do it, like learning all that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just a lot. Yeah. So, um, I'm glad that it wasn't like, oh, this was only like seven minutes. Like this was long. Yeah. 13 minutes is a long time for, I mean, I feel like most, mm-hmm. especially even listening to like the Disney soundtracks that we listen to now, the whole soundtrack is over in like 20, 25 minutes that this mm-hmm. one song was 13 minutes. Crazy. So, um, I think that about wraps it up. I mean, I read so many things and it was hard to kind of narrow down what to mm-hmm. share because there was, I mean, this was a very, or has become a very popular, well-known movie, even just looking up musical on wikipedia this is the picture the main picture on the musical page on mm-hmm. wikipedia for singing in the is singing in the rain um, apparently it wasn't that popular when it came out though so interesting it has grown into a phenomenon yeah it, it portrayed itself as a movie that would be very like catchy and like knew that they were going to be popular at the time mm-hmm. and apparently it was kind of a flop and has just over the years i can see why <laughs> just you know mm-hmm. you're you're go th- you go there thinking you're going to watch a musical you get like very little music throughout most of it. And then suddenly it's just like in your face, this 13 minute mute, like dance number at the end. So yeah, I understand why it wasn't super popular. Yeah, I get it too. But those are all my fun facts. There's more. If you're interested, mm-hmm. search the internet. It's fabulous. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. All right. So any other thoughts? Um, no, I think that's about it. Ready to move on to tonight? Yep. Let us know. What are we watching? We are watching Oklahoma from 1980. Sorry. Oklahoma from 1955. It is rated G. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We'll see how that, how that actually yeah. plays out. Again, I think it's another post MPAA ratings. They just stuck the rating mm-hmm. on there because this was still 10 years, eight years before. Yeah, it predates came out. it for sure. So let's just hop into our time machine real quick and head on back to 1955 and set the stage. The number one movie from 1955 was Lady and the Tramp. Um, followed by Mr. Roberts, and number three being The Sea Chase. Um, grossing, oh, I see where I got kind of off. Yeah, sorry. I put it side by side, and it just... Yeah, uh, grossing 66 million, 21 million, and 12 million, respectively. Um, heard of Lady and the Tramp. I've never heard of the other two. Yeah, I was excited to at least know one of them, so... Mm-hmm. Um, and the top three songs that year were Cherry Pink and Apple Blossom White, which I believe is the prequel to Apple Bottom Jeans. <laughs> Um, artist Perez Prado. You all right? I'm just, I should have been prepared for that. I'm just spitting facts. Okay. So. <laughs> um, uh, Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and his Comets. 
I was excited for that one because it was what's his face in the four lads, and uh, now it's um, his comments. Someone and his comments. Apparently, it's a so you know, is, sign is, of the times. Does his mean Bill Haley has has some comments, or is his supposed to be like you know his. bless up his? Um, I I would assume it's Bill Haley's comments. Mm-hmm. I guess the people in his orbit. Someone. Uh, yeah. Um, and the third biggest song being the Yellow Rose of Texas by Mitch Miller, which familiar with the yellow rose of texas being a thing i don't know if i've heard of the song yes i th- i it rang a bell in my head mm-hmm. i don't know it i yeah. do know rock around the clock um but opposite of texas we are watching like i said oklahoma um <laughs> big rival bitter rivalry there yep um have you seen oklahoma before i think i have mm-hmm my so i've maybe mentioned before i was in chorus in middle and high school and one year in middle school we did broadway and so we i mean that's why i was excited for this musical theme because i sang a lot of these songs in chorus and i'm pretty sure we watched this one but i as i was telling my mom before we did this the chances of me actually paying attention to a full movie in Mm -hmm. middle school chorus class probably limited like an older movie Mm -hmm. so what do i know of this oklahoma and that's it Mm -hmm. so I think I've seen it. I'm not sure though. I have not seen it. I've seen like the Oklahoma song, like mm-hmm. the, cl- the clip of it, because, as you know, I run also a college football pick'em uh, website, and in the early days, at least, um, allowed or it was just emailing spreadsheets around amongst my friends and one of our good friends. Um, whenever he was picking Oklahoma in a game, would either have the entire Excel cell filled with just O's, like you know, hundred of to them mm-hmm. and then Oklahoma um, or would send like the YouTube link to the Oklahoma song and so just like I eventually figured out what he was talking about mm-hmm. from the YouTube link obviously um, but that is literally all I know about it mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if we sang any more of the songs from the soundtrack and I just don't mm-hmm. I only remember the one you know that it's actually titled after mm-hmm. um, so I'm interested to see if I recognize any more because last week I was surprised by how many songs I actually knew from mm-hmm. Singing in the Rain so um I don't know. If we'll, I, I tried not to look at anything while I was looking up this I information. It is, you know, based on like history. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Johnny Harris mentioned it in one of his videos, maybe, or someone was doing a coverage of, I think it was Johnny Harris about like Oklahoma itself. And I can't remember if he said this was like relatively accurate or like whitewashing of the actual history of it. I, ch- I task you to find yes. that so information. So we'll watch this, but it'll probably be next week mm-hmm. um, that we'll actually figure out the, the real truth. But we're going to watch the Hollywood truth. Of Oklahoma. Yep. I'm excited. So yeah. are you ready to, are you ready to get your lassos out? Oh, I should have brought a cowboy hat down or something. I know. I know. We were really on theme last time, but mm-hmm. I think we, we need to get better about like costumes or something. Yeah. Or we can just keep wearing our pajamas because. I like this better. It's a lot easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier. All right. Boomer sooner. Let's go. All right. Oklahoma. Cheers. Cheers, Oklahoma. Yeah, where the wind comes sweeping no. down the plains. The answer was okay. What? Oklahoma, okay. That's how the song ends. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was. Oh well. The ending of that. All right, <laughs> crush that. Um, oh man. All right, let's just jump into the wine scale yeah. and then we can talk about the movie. Yeah, wine scale. Um, wines we rate them on a scale of zero to ten. Um, the ten obviously being the best. It's this scale is super subjective. Not really much goes into it. However, it is heavily weighted in the fact that all the wines that we drink are very good wines. So a low score does not mean that it is a bad wine. It's all just kind of relative to the wines that we are going to drink on this show. You're getting really good at just nailing down that description. Wing it every time. Um, 
that being said, I'll go first for this for this one. Uh, I want to rate this one an eight point three. <laughs> what? Um, I was gonna rate it a four point four. Really? <laughs> wow. I love when whoever goes first gives their mm-hmm. score, and you know that yours is like vastly different. What is so different? Um, I mean, again, it's good. Mm-hmm. I like it. It doesn't. I don't know. It just it's not it's not it's, like going to I'm not going to remember this one forever. It's not going to stick out to me as being like overly amazing. See, I thought it was really good. Like it, it's not super alcohol forward or tart or anything. Very drinkable. A lot of like complexity to the the flavors on there. I love like the the dark fruit, the not to <laughs> go over what jammy say it. jammy flavoring of it. Uh that I'm like, man, if I was just just, you know, out at a restaurant, I saw this on the uh the menu be like, guys, we got to get a bottle of this. It's really good. Yeah. Does it change I, your mind at all? No. I, again, I think it's good. And if I saw this on a menu, I would say, hey guys, we got to get a bottle of it. Mm-hmm. This is pretty good. But I mean, it's obviously far better than any like mm-hmm. bottom shelf Zinfandel you're going to find in a grocery store, but it's not like a knock my socks off. Wow. So sorry. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean you're, you're not wrong. It's your own yeah. opinion. I just really like this one. I mean, I thought it was, I mean, again, I thought it was good. I just, eh, it doesn't, it doesn't stick out to me. Mm -hmm. So sorry to disappoint you, but. Tough, tough critic. All right. (laughs) All right. Let's jump into the movie rating out of 10. Would you like me to go go first? first, I'm going to give it a 3.8. I'm going to give it a 4.8. Yeah. I'm not going to sit down and watch it. Mm -hmm. I, there are songs that I know from it but to me they're more nostalgic from my middle school chorus days Mm -hmm. than they are from this actual movie there were some parts that made me laugh i could maybe be talked up to a four Mm -hmm. a little more the more i think about some of the the characters were funny but like the the story i thought was the actual story itself was hard to follow and it was long and weird and i don't know i was gonna give it even lower honestly like i was thinking about it with like 30 minutes left and I was going to give it like a, a much lower one, like you know, around three. But then I remembered what I gave um, Wonder Man. And I was like, I can see a lot of daylight between this movie and that one. That I, I feel like it justified a higher score. I also like this one better than Singing in the Rain. Oh, no. I liked Singing in the Rain much better. Singing in the Rain was just kind of like I didn't even know what they were really getting at. This one also was kind of weird. But I liked the songs better on this one at least. Um, there were a couple parts that made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I as for rewatchability, definitely not sitting down and being like, tonight we're gonna rewatch this whole two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Um, and if it's on, I might watch a song if it's one of the like four that I liked, but otherwise not really that rewatchable. Which is why it doesn't get anything like above a five. Mm-hmm. But I still kind of liked you know some of the the jokes and did appreciate some of the songs. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is probably one of my least favorites so far. Mm-hmm. Like definitely bottom for me. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Real, I mean, real tough critic tonight. I know. I, I feel really grumpy, and I don't mm-hmm. know why. I didn't realize I'd be so, the, the grumpy girl in the group, but uh, here we are. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk through it, and we'll see. You always have next week to see if sleeping on it yeah. changes your your rating of, of either. Not that we go back and rewrite the wines, but. That's why I'm trying to really, because we're still we are still actually drinking. We're not in the after show wine yes. tonight. We're still drinking the actual wine. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to see if it goes up anymore, but I'm, I still still stand firm okay <laughs> all right give us your it's movie your description opinion. uh movie description I, I don't even really know how it's a weird story taking place in oklahoma 
where a guy and a girl are like flirting she's playing hard to get it turns into this weird situation where um she's going to this dance with some other guy than him leads to a whole lot of drama they end up getting married other guy dies just a whole lot of unexplainable weird stuff first 80 percent of the movie takes place in like one day sorry first 90 percent of the movie takes place in one day mm-hmm. and then they really cram a whole bunch of like time into the last bit i guess um but honestly the whole thing could have taken place over like two or three days true there yeah. were no rules right yeah well he yeah uh the peddler did say that he had been married true. for four days so true, this true. must have been like taking place over the course of like a week probably mm-hmm. and um the most of it took place in that one 24-hour period yeah weird um Um, i will go into the uh tv description uh this joyous celebration of frontier life combines tender romance and violent passion (laughs) in the oklahoma territory of the 1900s with a timeless score filled with unforgettable songs rogers and hammerstein's hit broadway musical that's part that's that's that's, full sentence that's yeah (laughs) i was like am i reading that right yeah okay um sure yeah Mm -hmm. i mean violent passion sure um, was the movie what you expected? Absolutely not. Kinda. I was expecting more like, more than just like some weird isolated love story that, or love triangle. I mean, it was a triangle. This weird love story for the first bit of it with a bunch of like random songs interspersed. I thought there was going to be more like about the Oklahoma and the the weird like land grab colonizing part of it. Which is why I like referenced Johnny Harris mm-hmm. in the pre-roll because I thought there was like something about it. I, I was think, waiting for that to happen, but this is what I expected. I think it to be. in that in that video, he was probably referencing how this is like just did not reflective of what life was actually mm-hmm. like or the uh, the chaotic chaos of it. Um, not at all what I was expecting. I mean, the specifics of it probably not, but more or less the love story, slow country life songs mm-hmm. fits about what I was expecting of it. Yeah lines up for me yeah i just i i just thought it was gonna be this guy who's like gonna go out to oklahoma like lay his his you know his uh claim to some land and be that life there and this was not they were already in oklahoma i believe and that story probably would have gotten a five yeah score for me <laughs> would have been probably more interesting this not so much uh how well did it age i mean again Fine. a movie it's a, that it's took, a period piece yeah, period piece and um wasn't super cringy in any real ways, I guess, other mm-hmm. than just kind of showing the what the times were like then. Um, 100% white cast. 100%. I imagine that Oklahoma was also pretty white at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't really know that it didn't age in any particular form there. Yeah. I will say for the movie, like the aging, um, and I have a, a note about this, I found it interesting that during the day, time shots obviously they were filming those like outside in the actual um you know outdoors the like twilight or dream sequence and like nighttime you could clearly tell it was like this backdrop oh yeah i could see i was actively looking for the seams Mm -hmm. in it every time they switched to that and i just assume it's just because they couldn't otherwise get enough lighting to make it seem natural for filming a lot of these things actually at night in Um, 1955 yeah yeah that i i imagine that was the the big biggest issue with that and why mm-hmm. they had to be like oh daytime 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 clearly on a set mm-hmm. yeah it, the the whole setting of this i have a note about it but i'll talk about it for a second now was just kind of really threw me off because i think 
especially with the film noir, we've been so deep in the city mm-hmm. and those sets don't feel as obvious like sets, mm-hmm. but this was just, it was a harsh reality for my brain to watch seeing that it was not, I mean, there were the very mm-hmm. clear sets. I said there was some of it that was very much real, but mm-hmm. it, it was yeah, in the a very city, big you, contrast. You have a lot of like artificial light anyways, and you have the more of the buildings as the backdrop as opposed to the, you know, the plains. It's just mm-hmm. nothing there besides the mountains way off in the distance. Yep. Lots of horses, the, all the cows. Mm-hmm. Um, did they say the title of the movie? Exclamation point and all. Yes, mm-hmm. they did. Yes, I had to be sure to when, when I was Googling it to mm-hmm. include the exclamation point every time I was looking for it. Uh, does the title fit the movie? Sure. Sure. I mean, you could be more specific. Mm-hmm. Farm love. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what else you could I'm really... imagining like a really raunchy, um, one of those like terrible books that has the like really dirty looking covers with mm-hmm. like the shirtless man and farm love. And there's like a barn in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely picture that. Um, I don't know what else they would have really called this. Yeah, I've got nothing. Um, were there any actors that went on to do bigger things? Um, I don't really know. I didn't really recognize anybody from this yeah. movie. They were all kind of unnamed, unknown names to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they might have gone on to more things, but if they did, I'm not aware of them from anything. Yeah. Uh, what impact do you think this movie had on pop culture? I mean, it's it's a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty big names. And I know that they have remade this movie several times and brought back the mm-hmm. Broadway play. Do I think it had any big impact on, like, movies? No. Yeah. I don't really know if it, what it really did, to, if anything, to push forward, like, you know, movies or, like, pop culture itself. Um, other than, like you said, being a Rodgers and Hammerstein Broadway musical, I do feel more cultured having seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, so now like when I see or hear the Oklahoma song, like I kind of know the whole context the story, around yeah. it, but that that's about it really. Yeah. I, I do feel like from the, the slight musical research I've been doing, it was a, um, like most of the musicals were produced by MGM mm-hmm. that this one, you know, being written and I think also produced a little bit by Rogers and Hammerstein, that was a little bit different for the times. Most mm-hmm. of them were through the MGM studios. That might be some kind of like Hollywood mm-hmm. culture, but like not anything big that we would know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all we have. Oh, do we feel cultured? Do yeah. You feel, oh, yeah. Did, you already did. You answered it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen parts of it. Um, I'm going first on my notes, so I'll just hop mm-hmm. in because my first note is I'm definitely sure we did not watch this in middle school mm-hmm. <laughs> because the, it was a lot it, it was, was not rated it was not g-rated i will say that yeah um i think asterisk for sure if anything we probably watched the clips of the songs because mm-hmm. some parts of it seemed kind of familiar but the deeper we got into this movie i'm like this is a little too dirty for a bunch of 12 and 13 year old seventh mm-hmm. graders to be watching but even school. still like pg-13 seems a bit excessive for it was, I, I go back to the fact we need like a pg-10 yeah, I mean, it's like a, like a 1900s PG-13. Mm-hmm. Like what, what used to be scandalous. Mm-hmm. That's, it, I don't know, it, you're right. There is, there needs to be a different rating, but it's also just like such a set in a different time and made in a different time than mm-hmm. today that it's hard to really nail yeah. down what's scandalous about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously like the, um, the dresses and everything weren't like revealing a lot of skin. Everyone was, you know, well covered up and everything, but there were some like suggestive scenes and some, um, a lot of like flirting going on, mm-hmm. but 
that's about the extent of yeah. the. There's some dirty songs too. If you're mm-hmm. really listening, dirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next note is the quality. Right away, I noticed that it seemed like it was a remastered version. Maybe, like you said, not 4K, but mm-hmm. it was at least remastered from whatever four it was. Yeah, this <laughs> back one was in 1955. Um, did, sorry, I didn't mean to no. Did on. you have any um, more that you wanted to say about that? Yeah, I, I made a note about the remastering as well. Um, where I was getting like some like uncanny uncanny valley vibes, meaning like it just didn't feel totally realistic. There's something kind of weird and off putting about it. The frame rate I feel like was sped up, mm-hmm. or it was probably maybe originally mastered in like a, a lower frame rate and then like brought up to 24 frames per second, which means that they had to interject frames in between that, meaning that they weren't actual the foot actually the footage there. So a lot of like almost like every you know one of every three frames you see maybe is completely synthetic, mm-hmm. kind of like an average between the the previous frame and the next one that kind of just makes it seem just off enough and just slightly almost like sped up, but not fully natural. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a mix of that, like feeling of while you're watching it, plus also the like country sets that just really gave it some, um, was it kid songs or no? What were you, what do you watch? Are the kids songs videos yeah. from growing just up? Yeah. Those like, weird like kids like Mm -hmm. made for kids on a weird set yeah like and almost even like some early disney stuff like 80s and 90s disney Mm -hmm. stuff um that just didn't fit the time i don't know it was weird visually for my brain to watch yeah just like of how it was shot and the um there's just something i couldn't really put my finger on it completely it was i was the the frame rate but then also the like the color profile and color Mm -hmm. correction they must have done just seemed kind of weird the colors seemed like a bit off and I, I don't know if like that was just kind of the color technology. I did make a note that this was not Technicolor. This was Todd AO, mm-hmm. which I am going to deep dive obviously this week. Please. Um, to understand the difference between the, the color um, types. I don't know if this was re-edited again when it was remastered and it just otherwise would have looked more naturally natural mm-hmm. originally. Or if that was just the color profile from this coloring technology. Yeah, I'm... There was, I mean, again, there was just something off in my brain mm-hmm. of it didn't process right, and I can't put my finger on it. Maybe it was a bunch of little things that added up to mm-hmm. something bigger, but it's definitely a weird visual experience. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, it was like, wow, that sky is blue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they definitely were uh, bumping up the color boost. a bit off to me, like mm-hmm. too red in some situations, and I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of show that they were working on the farm, which True. are rednecks. Oh, man, we're getting so... <laughs> We're getting too critical here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. My next note is thank God for subtitles between, I don't know if it's just like the audio quality or our, our personal audio settings mm-hmm. or they're just that it was set a long time ago and they speak differently. Plus their accents and like the different words they use and the way they were pronouncing words that we use. Mm-hmm. Thank God we got to watch the whole thing with subtitles. Cause it would have been impossible to follow without them. I loved whoever wrote the subtitles at least the version we were watching because they basically wrote it the way they were saying them. Mm-hmm. Like when they said they were saying the word cares, mm-hmm. but they pronounced it cares. And so the subtitles wrote it as K E E R S. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. And cause I would see the words pop up before they'd actually say it. And then I'd hear it and go, Oh, that's mm-hmm. what they were saying. I mean, yeah, I would not have made it through without the subtitles though, to For truly sure. understand what they yeah, were. I turned those on pretty, pretty early on. It's, it's a safe bet in these movies before 1960, especially because this was set in like very early 1900s mm-hmm. that, you know, and in the farm life and 
Mm-hmm. They just speak very differently than we speak now. <laughs> and I needed that. But even still, um, going to jump back into my notes again. Um, That's fine. The, for the audio, the, um, the way they were singing, like they were really like projecting and really like going into it. But they were also like really kind of controlling their like facial muscles and body as like they were really projecting. But I feel like in modern day musicals, like people really like try to get animated and like really show a lot of emotion and like, you know, body movements in this, they were almost trying to like walk around. Like they were just actually like out there walking on the farm while they're like really like deeply projecting like these voices mm-hmm. um, that I assume it's because they had to just have do it all in one take. You couldn't really go back and dub over very easily mm-hmm. uh, the whole musical numbers and have that match up perfectly with all these people acting around nowadays. I think musicals, they, they film it in a studio in a very controlled environment they um, mm-hmm. uh, voice over a lot of these things. Uh, Especially with the rate that dance numbers are these days. Mm-hmm. I feel like no one's really yeah. singing They're intense. anymore. You'd be out of breath the whole time. Like the dance numbers in this, they didn't sing for almost all of it because otherwise you'd hear <laughs> and just people mm-hmm. like stomping around, falling all over and trying to like keep, you know, keep up with the pace of the song that I found it very interesting, the style of how they had to, to do those. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought about it like that, that, you know, there were probably actual reasons to how they carried themselves while mm-hmm. performing. But I will now start paying more attention to that as we progress mm-hmm. through our musical numbers to the present. Because at the beginning, I was trying to put my finger on like why it was so weird that he was so like, I don't, I don't know, like church singing some of these songs, like really like, church like, like he was in the, the no, chorus, right, like right. really like exactly from right. the, from the chest, like projecting out. And nowadays you don't see that as much because people are singing these songs like in a studio mm-hmm. and then just acting these out with a whole lot of like emotion to them mm-hmm. in their moves. Again, sticking to a theme and doing it in chronological order really, mm-hmm. really is going to pay off for us. Yeah. I can't um, wait to get the more modern ones, especially like the really dance heavy ones. Right. I also just, I don't know how we're going to ever cap this season. There's, we mm-hmm. keep talking about it. Our musical list is so long and I don't, I don't know how we're going to pick and choose. So if you want to have a favorite, put mm-hmm. it out there because well, we don't know how we're going to yes, narrow we'll, it down. We'll take those as votes for yes. actually choosing which ones. We do have a long list. I think we have like we'll a 20, more. a 20 yeah. movie list mm-hmm. at least. So there will be multiple musical For seasons. Sure. Um, my next note is, um, I w- going into it, I wasn't sure if I just knew Oklahoma or, or if I knew more of the soundtrack, but I have and did sing in chorus, uh, What a Beautiful Morning and Surrey with the Fringe on Top. And mm-hmm. I have been singing that Surrey with the Fringe on Top nonstop since we started this movie mm-hmm. two days ago. <laughs> I've been singing it too, but I'm singing it more of my own version. That's more of a Beyonce like mashup. A little love on top. Sorry, sorry with, with the, the fringe, fringe on top, baby. And I think if I didn't already <laughs> love the original, I'd be way deep into your version. But like, I just, I have mm-hmm. so many fond memories of that original version. Yeah. So. Sing away. Catchy. It is a catchy soundtrack. That's for sure. Or at least some of them. But on that same note, I'm going to skip ahead a couple. Um, the song, A Girl Who Can't Say No. I don't know if that's actually what the song is called. That might be one of the dirtiest songs that I have ever seen mm-hmm. in a musical. And just, I mean, we hear a lot of dirty music now in the 2020s. I mean, most pop songs are just pretty dirty. Mm -hmm. But that one was just shockingly dirty for being from the 1950s, set in the 1900s. All the girls dancing while they're getting dressed. and uh, Yeah. Um, A a couple of the songs, I was like, wow, they are really going for it. And like the the friend, uh, Ado Annie, Annie. I was like, she is a horn dog for sure. Like she was just going for it the Mm -hmm. whole time. And I think that's... Like it's part of the, you know, my, my brain kind of expects that of characters nowadays, Mm -hmm. you know, do you be you, 
but you don't expect that of the 1950s. So when a character in these older movies is that mm-hmm. out there and just like, oh, I was, you know, kissing everybody I saw, you're like, no, you don't do that. You like marry your one true love from when you met when you were like 12. And but that's kind of why I like watching these movies that are A, filmed in like the 50s, mm-hmm. but take place in the early 1900s. Because I think nowadays people want to like rewrite history where it's like, oh, back in the 50s, everyone was so modest. There weren't people that ever flirted or mm-hmm. went out with boys or it's like, but all the movies we're seeing are showing this happening. So clearly that was kind of a somewhat sign of the times mm-hmm. at least. No, I, I agree. And that it wasn't just like, oh yeah, they just, you know, went went to church and then went to sleep and like they they never even saw each other until their wedding day. It's like, no, that wasn't really true. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's more how I feel more culture after watching some of these movies that is true and i think that was a narrative that people wanted you to believe to mm-hmm. get you to behave and conform and all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but to see those kind of characters you're like ah, oh, we're all the same mm-hmm. um my next note is i kind of talked about it already but just the country setting it was a nice breath of fresh air for mm-hmm. lack of a better phrase um from all these city movies that we've been watching mm-hmm. um definitely and- different and set. just like i mean i know that musicals are very different from the film noir but just being very out there in the middle of nowhere was mm-hmm. uh, was nice it was nice but it was very jarring to go from these city 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 whoo, deep in the the country middle of mm-hmm. nowhere wild times literally like middle of the u.s very true and probably was the middle of nowhere especially then because wasn't yeah really much even just there. seeing like the train come up and seeing that there was like nothing around there and the train was just coming to this little building Mm-hmm. And there weren't any houses or a town around it. It was just to the train station, and then you had to ride your horse mm-hmm. back to all that. Crazy. I wish they'd had a little bit more of, like, like a timeline to it. I mean, obviously, we watched the movie in a chronological order, but of knowing how long it took them to get from Lori and Aunt Eller's house to the, mm-hmm. the Skidmore's house, or, like, you know, how, how long it took you to ride your horse to these places, just to have a... a like as long as they, like, lived in a neighborhood, and mm-hmm. they were like, oh, come meet over here before the the dance so you can like freshen up and then so much more happened even after that that i'm like hey how long is this day mm-hmm. like how much can you really do it and, must have been over f- a couple days like or maybe they just you know they wake up at 6 a.m and they've got all the way until the sun goes down at like 8 p.m 9 p.m and just have like a really long day or something uh but it just i feel like they should have taken more time to like get from point a to point b and some of these things um and most movies would take place over the course of several days mm-hmm. but there's like yeah go here and then here and then here and you it's not like you see the next door neighbor house or anything it's got to take some time to mm-hmm. get around there yeah i couldn't get a good grasp on like where people were and what was in relation to the next mm-hmm. thing it was yeah they mentioned like various cities tough. that i've like never heard of maybe <laughs> they exist today i don't know but yeah i was yeah. lost for sure and um, back to the the story with the fringe on top. He they sing this whole song and it's Curly and Lori. They're singing mm-hmm. to each other, but then every once in a while you get glimpses of Aunt Eller just sitting in the corner. She's just watching and smiling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What? That's so weird." She mm-hmm. ended up being one of my favorite characters. She's hilarious. I mm-hmm. love that she says what she's thinking. Just an all around great character, and she'd just show up in random places. Yeah. But um, that that part was weird. I think because she was still like the first song, second mm-hmm. song of the movie to be like why is she just sitting there what's she doing it was a kind of odd relationship but um yeah i agree she was very much like involved or just kind of lurking in in some of those things Mm -hmm. but i think then you kind of see that that's kind of just what her character is like she's going to be the auctioneer and she's just Mm going to be in all these random places and that's just how she is i think they didn't really set up a lot of these characters and like their personalities especially like ada wanny and um 
in LA. It was just kind of like jumping into who they were mm-hmm. and you're not expecting that. And then it's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then my last note is there was on the side of um, the peddler's cart, mm-hmm. there was a sign for Acme hair dye. Ooh. So bringing it connections, connections back together. Mm-hmm. The I guess the best hair dye, according to him, mm-hmm. was being um, advertised on his cart. Yep. So, so there's a, a tie-in. Call back to Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yep. not the season finale, but the second and last episode mm-hmm. of season two. Yep. So mm-hmm. everything everything is layered. It all comes mm-hmm. back together. Yeah. We're learning more as we're churning through all these movies. I know, but I mean, I don't know that I even would have thought twice about it if I mm-hmm. hadn't if we hadn't watched that before. Yeah, that that was really cool when you when you when you pointed that. I was like, ah, huh. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right at the right at the top of the phone book. Except, you know, I don't think they had phone books yeah. in Oklahoma in 1900 mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. phones or phone lines. But maybe this is kind of like a um, you know a rewriting of history there. Mm-hmm. In the fifties, they would have got it. I was going to say nineteen fifties would be mm-hmm. the prime time but for that. This kind guy, of stuff. this guy, must have been selling some stuff. Well, what should we call this company? Well, Acme. That's what mm-hmm. everyone calls everything. Yep. All right. I think that's it for me. So I will turn it over to you. Um, I've already gone over a bunch of mine, um, so I won't have too many new ones. But I did notice that in the beginning of the movie, they had like an overture, mm-hmm. and they had the interlude, and then afterwards they had exit music, which f- felt very interesting. For um, you don't really see that. Nowadays, mm-hmm. very few movies have like intermissions in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also thought it was interesting this movie had like, all the credits at the end. Yes. Most of the old, older movies we've been watching have had the credits th- at the beginning. And what, it really wasn't until you pointed it out that it felt weird to me because I mm-hmm. think I just assumed that all credits come at the end. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've been watching older movies and they have been all at the beginning that I didn't think of a choice about it, but it was weird. Yeah. So I just, um, it's like they were trying to actually have this be a like Broadway show that you go to where you have and you know music as you come in an intermission you have music at the end um, as yeah, opposed to this being more of a movie the music started at the beginning and he's like oh should we like go find our seats and <laughs> like, <laughs> try, mm-hmm. trying to really lean into it and mm-hmm. he he did make me listen to the entire inter or the it's beginning the, intro music the full experience yeah, he wanted the full experience and I was like this is two and a half hour movie come on let's fast forward <laughs> yeah I did fast forward a little bit through the intermission but ended up being saving like 30 seconds mm-hmm. um I noted, or we've already talked about it, it was because of Rodgers and Hammerstein um, musical the score, legends. musical Broadway um, movie. The mentioned the Todd Ao versus Technicolor um, difference I'm, there. I'm interested for you to look into that. Very intrigued. Um, talked about the Uncanny Valley. Uh, they had another too long musical interlude in the middle of it um, while she was high on the smelling salts and and like it, on a trip. It had a lot of vibes to the singing in the rain. Like mm-hmm. dream, it was a dream sequence type dance number, and there was a lot more intricate dancing in the ballet, and even replaced the main character with a different dancer. Yeah, uh, that was, was kind of weird to me. I I I want to know more about that. Like, was it because she didn't think she could do this music or the dancing, or they were trying to show this as being like a future possible possible future life? Mm-hmm. I was having trouble following what they were trying to convey, and a lot of it, other than yeah, the fact but that Judd like, was still in it. Right, that he he was like the only one that really stayed like consistent. Because even the curly was different too, right? Y- yes, but they also showed the actual ca- uh, character or actor that played Curly for one part of it. I think originally, yeah, it was it was hard to follow because she, I was confused why she changed, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Is that what he looks like?" I can't remember. They look really mm-hmm. like similar enough, and then but, but Judd was definitely the same. Yeah. Um, it's like the only thing I really got from it was that she clearly 
if she was choosing between the two, did not want to choose Judd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also obvious. feel like that was pretty obvious from the beginning. Right. I don't think you needed the the high smelling salts to. Uh, yeah. Again, she just like should not have let him on. I I felt like until he went off the deep end towards the end of the movie, I felt like he was just like getting shit on the whole time unfairly. It's like he was working there. He took like initiative and like asked her to the dance and then everyone's like all against him and putting him down and he obviously like it feels like he's been led on by her or something because she's been rejecting Curly to to choose him this whole time. She like took care of him when he was sick and he like has feelings for her but then it gets kind of like rapey a little bit where he tries to like I don't know get her alone on the horse and all those Mm -hmm. things and then get her alone at the party and comes and tries to like kill them on their wedding night. Um, That whole scene, that whole end though was so rushed. It was like, you know, long drawn out until mm -hmm. her and Curly finally get together and then they get married 30 seconds later and then 30 seconds later, everything's on fire. And then 30 seconds later, Judd's dead. And it was Mm -hmm. just like, what is happening? (laughs) Not to the extreme of how weird the graduate got at the end, Mm -hmm. but I felt like it was like the whole movie was kind of a similar pace. And then the last like five minutes was like, the whole like courtroom drama session in the middle, like all crammed into like, courtroom in the kitchen. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like they drew out the first ninety percent of the movie so mm-hmm. much, and then crammed so much in the last ten percent. Uh, talked about how there was an intermission that the day was super long. The it talked about all, everything. The night and uh, the twilight scenes having to be a, a backdrop. And my last note was about the vocal projection versus mm-hmm. the more modern style of doing musicals of recording in a, in a studio. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the, the kitchen courtroom for just a second, because mm-hmm. I feel like that's just such a, like you said, you said something like different times or wild times. Mm-hmm. Just what a time to be alive. Yeah. That, you know, they were all there and they all watched it happen. And the, the, um, mm-hmm. um, judge happened to be there and the sheriff also happened to be there and they just did this whole courtroom scene, not scene, yeah. but like this courtroom trial in the kitchen mm-hmm. and just was like, okay. It's like had all those peers there. So mm-hmm. And that was fine because Oklahoma wasn't really a state and there was mm-hmm. no giant legal system and that's just how it happened. And yeah. it was just wild. Yeah, crazy. And then they were like, okay, let's go on a honeymoon, bye. Mm-hmm. And everyone just accompanies them to the train station. <laughs> weird, it's a weird ending. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm standing firm in my in my rating. We'll mm-hmm. see We'll see how I feel a week from now, but. Odd movie, but I, I have a couple of things that I'm just really excited to, to deep dive on now. Oh yes, it was, I was, googling the whole time but it was it's hard mm-hmm. to like actually sit and read through stuff while you're also trying to watch too so definitely excited to dive deeper into this and uh, make sure you guys tune in next week to see what we find out about oklahoma mm-hmm. and uh see what we're watching next week and yeah. if you um haven't already you should rate and review uh, wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe on youtube on youtube and comment if you're enjoying this or if you have any ratings or votes of musicals that we should watch this season and follow us on instagram at culture night pod twitter at culture night pod mm-hmm. yeah anywhere you can love. find us reach yeah. out to us and uh, we're excited to come back next week for another yeah. one but in the meantime you know what i'll be singing sorry with the fringe on the top I'm seeing a slightly different version. And then there you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week. Bye.